joined by uh, Jeremy Allaire, CEO of Circle. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tina. No, it's great to have you. Um, it's been an incredibly exciting start to the year in the last 12 months in general for the industry, I think. We, we probably both agree. Um, we've seen some significant growth across uh, most metrics, including stablecoin adoption. And you've overseen the growth of the USDC stablecoin from a market cap of about half a billion dollars this time last year to 4.8 billion today. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's been uh, a lot of growth. It's awesome. So we've got a ton of stuff to talk about um, from the recent positive announcement from the US OCC on one hand and the less positive uh, US Treasury consultation announcement before Christmas. So before we get into all of that, um, let's uh, maybe talk a little bit about the developments with USDC specifically. So for our viewers who might not be familiar with all of the um, participants within USDC and the distinctions between them, can you give us a sense of um, Circle, USDC and Center and how each of those entities plays a role and what their responsibilities are within the USDC environment? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, just very quick history. Um, you know, we, we began work on what, um, what became USDC uh, back in 2017. And uh, we, we really envisioned that there could be a kind of protocol layer for um, fiat digital currency. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in 2018, um, and actually late 2017, we, we formed something called Center, which was really nothing at the time except a place to house intellectual property uh, around what we were building because we were very committed to this idea that you could build essentially an open standard that an ecosystem could be built around and that there could ultimately be governance around. And then in 2018, Coinbase joined us uh, to uh, to launch Center Consortium specifically and uh, and joined us as uh, an issuer of USDC. Um, so in, in late 2018, fall of 2018, uh, we launched uh, and Coinbase launched as an issuer alongside us, and um, you know it, it, it's grown significantly. So Center Consortium itself, just to kind of clarify, governs a lot of things. It governs all the open source intellectual property. It governs the, the policies around how reserves works. It governs the uh, compliance, information security, and operational procedures that issuers must uh, perform, uh, including various regulatory and licensure requirements. It governs uh, you know, what blockchains USDC gets deployed on. Um, and um, you know, the, 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 that uh, kind of the substance in the consortium has grown and grown, and very recently, uh, uh, Center appointed uh, CEO David Puth, who's uh, a, a pretty major player out of yeah, the financial big system. Hire, big yeah. hire. What, so what, was, what was behind that choice? Yeah, so you know, I think um, you know, uh, you know, USDC as as the first stablecoin to be uh, developed out of Center Consortium is certainly not going to be the last. And and furthermore, and it really relates to even some of the. Presidential Working Group and the OCC guidance, um, you know, we, we really see these global stablecoin arrangements as, um, uh, you know, which are really consortiums of private sector actors as being, you know, critical market infrastructure for the future of the international monetary system and the future of how finance works. And, um, 
you know, David, uh, previous to coming on as center CEO, is the CEO of, of, of CLS International Bank, which is the biggest bank in the world that no one knows. Uh, they're an enormous institution that um, it's a consortium of, of 70 of the most critical financial institutions of the world. And it provides, it is what is designated kind of uh, a designated systemically important market utility. And it provides the clearing and settlement infrastructure for most of the uh, global foreign exchange market. So currencies that are liquid and, and crossing each other, it's $2 trillion a day of transactions. And it's supervised by um, 23 of the most significant central banks in the world. Mm -hmm. And so um, David really has a passion for the future of currency, the future of, of how it will work in the monetary system, uh, and really shares uh, you know, the vision that, that all of us had around building that on public blockchains, building that on, on open internet infrastructure, building it around stablecoins specifically. And so he's building Center independently. There will be many other companies that join as members. There'll be new issuers of new currencies. Uh, so that, that's sort of on its own track. Um, Circle itself is the kind of minting issuer of USDC. Uh, we provide uh, like fundamental market infrastructure that that lots and lots of firms around the world can integrate to and, and build on top of um, and and that's grown a lot so you know we, we many you know many of the most important firms in the crypto asset markets you know depend on our services uh, for you know managing that uh, kind of fiat infrastructure uh, and so on yeah so apart from the massive increase in, in adoption overall you've been actively developing the, the USDC product and, and released an API this last year. So um, can you tell us a little bit more about that and, and some of the other developments that you have in the pipeline? Yeah, absolutely. So I think just to kind of break things down, you know, sort of USDC is this governed standard and, and, and really you can think of it as a protocol uh, and a set of open source technology. Um, you know, Circle uh, itself, is, is, is what I like to think of as kind of a, a payments and transaction bank. So uh, we're not technically a bank right now, uh, but we, um, you know, we provide a, a, a set of capabilities that businesses and other financial institutions and fintechs can build on. So that's essentially, you know, um, a, a transaction banking core that includes, you know, the ability to kind of custody and store and build custom applications on what we think of as Kind of digital dollar account infrastructure and then at, around that there's basically um, a wide range of rails that we offer through api services so you know basically the ability to move value using traditional bank transfer methods wires domestic bank transfers card networks but also to move seamlessly on multiple blockchains with usdc and you can move seamlessly between them so a, a company could take a, a credit card payment and the, it would settle as USDC in an account that they could then use themselves or, or uh, present to end users. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's sort of this seamless movement between digital currency native treasury infrastructure and, uh, and you know, sort of both the, the public blockchain ecosystem and the legacy financial system. So that's like a set of API services that people can pay a subscription fee to access and usage fees just based on, on, on what they're using. So th that's something that we launched uh, last year. Um, it's growing very fast. And, uh, yeah. how, and so. how widely has that been adopted by your key users so far? Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, um, we, um, uh, I mean, we've, we've seen a, a 
pretty significant ramp, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of companies um, that are starting to adopt these services. And, uh, you know, we, we serve a number of different segments. So we, we serve kind of institutional, uh, think of it as institutional trading uh, firms, electronic markets firms, uh, brokerages, OTC firms, family offices, like that kind of thing. But we also serve um, blockchain startups, crypto finance firms, uh, traditional fintechs, companies building remittance products, companies building uh, savings products, lending products, uh, and then commerce firms. So more and more, we're, we're seeing you know, companies who want to utilize this as an infrastructure for settlements um, in commerce flows. Uh, so they're not like crypto firms or they're not fintechs or banks, they're actually commerce firms. And then finally, uh, increasingly, uh, you know, more and more both mainstream kind of consumer facing fintech firms and banks are, are getting in the game. That's awesome. Um, I know you also have a partnership with Visa um, and the Venezuelan aid delivery project, which you um, supported with Plaid. Um, and uh, an open banking platform integration. So um, that, that's kind of a, a, a use case that you haven't discussed. Um, what's that partnership look like? And what other use cases do you see evolving beyond the current ones that are being adopted today? Yeah, so just to kind of break that down, um, uh, we worked with the uh, Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela um, to, uh, to utilize USDC as a way to bypass some of the controls that the Maduro regime uh, puts on um, individuals and entities there uh, to deliver uh, digital dollars into the hands of frontline healthcare workers that are fighting COVID and aren't getting support from their own government. Um, we, you know, that was a highly successful that had uh, support from the US government and um, Oh, it's a really, really powerful, uh, powerful use case um, and, and sort of demonstrates that even, uh, you know, kind of foreign policy objectives can be met using, you know, stable coins uh, because they are a pro profound way to move value uh, over the over the top of the Internet uh, instead of through the legacy banking system. So um, we, we have actually multiple governments now that that hold accounts with us and are, and are beginning to use USDC. We have one government that's uh, a dollarized economy that is accepting tax payments in USDC. So, you know, lots of different things. Uh, the Visa partnership is really, really exciting. Uh, we announced that in early December. Um, you know, we're in the beginning phases of rolling out parts of that partnership. Uh, it spans a number of things. It spans, um, uh, you know, a, a kind of uh, joint go-to-market relationship to really get fintechs, banks, and, and commerce marketplaces in the visa ecosystem to adopt USDC and, and circle uh, APIs. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're working on a solution around uh, what are called kind of visa, visa partner wallets. Visa is, is very progressive in um, basically creating a way for crypto wallets around the world to issue uh, visa credentials, to issue cards and, and tokenized credentials. And um, you know the, the, the use case here is, businesses being able to make payouts to individuals and entities around the world where the payouts are made in USDC, they get settled over the internet really fast, very inexpensively, um, and create a seamless experience for uh, you know, businesses to connect to their customers, suppliers, users, uh, and deliver payments to them at the speed of the internet. 
Uh, and then when they receive that payment, they then are, they have USDC in their crypto wallet and they can spend it immediately at any of the 60 million merchants that accept Visa payments. And so it's, it's sort of connecting uh, their traditional payments acceptance system with uh, USDC as sort of a, a, a business to business and a business to consumer payout model. And so that's something we're working on and, and very excited about. And we also announced that we're going to be in, introducing a, a card program ourselves uh, enabling um, you know, uh, businesses that want to utilize USDC in their own kind of treasury and cash management infrastructure to also utilize that, not just for on-chain transactions, uh, uh, but also for card payments as well. So uh, a lot of different pieces there. That's amazing and really, really exciting. So, you know, you and I have, have um, you know, worked on a number of regulatory, you know, projects over the years and talking with policymakers. And we know that one of the questions that we get asked a lot is, you know, what are the use cases for crypto? How are people actually using it for good? Um, you know, isn't this just a speculatory market? And, you know, you've just rattled off three use cases that have been mm -hmm. developed in the last year that are materially impactful. Um, and, you know, taking that, the, the tokenization um, promise into, you know, an, a number of different areas, whether it's payments or, or whether it is, um, you know, government aid. I think this is really powerful stuff. Um, I know we're going to talk a little bit about regulation in, in a minute, but, you know. I yeah, I mean, on the, on the use case thing, I know you were asking other use cases. I mean, we're seeing just this uh, a, a rapid proliferation in use cases. And I, I think this is one of those things where, you know, it's sort of like in different phases of the Internet when, when people figured out you could have a, a Facebook brand page or a company could have a Twitter handle or even just like, oh, what do you do with a website? What, what can you, you know, what can you do with that? I think we're 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 finding you know not just individuals but businesses and financial institutions all, all across the board sort of discovering digital currency mm -hmm. and discovering like oh wow this this works like the rest of the internet it has all of these incredible attributes what this this opens up new possibilities what can i do with this and, and so when i get asked like you know what are the use cases for usdc my answer is what are the use cases for dollars mm -hmm. And basically every use case in the world that you have for dollars is a use case for USDC. And so we're at the beginning phases of that very, very broad use. And so it's going to be a capital markets infrastructure. It's going to be a, a retail and business to business payments infrastructure. It's going to be uh, a treasury management infrastructure. It's, it's going to, you know, it's going to span all of this. Um, and just like, you know, it's sort of like saying, what are the use cases for email? Yeah. Um, or what are the use cases for the web? Um, it's it's uh, these are going to be very general, general, widely available technologies. So let's talk a little bit about scaling. You originally built on Ethereum, which is urgently trying to tackle you know its well advertised scaling issues, um, you know, high fees. Um, how how is that you know those fees being able to impact transactions? Um, but you're now supporting other networks, including Algorand, Stellar, and Solana, I believe. Um, why did you choose these networks? And are you confident or less confident about, you know, Ethereum going down the right path? How, how, are, how is uh, your, what's your view on the scalability options? Yeah, I mean, um, we look at um, public chain infrastructure uh, through the lens, not just of, you know, how do you solve scalability, but um, you know, as a technologist, uh, when I look at what I would call third generation blockchains, um, you know, you know, you're looking at 
essentially like new operating system infrastructure for the internet. And, um, you know, th there is an immense amount of technical innovation, competition uh, in, in building that kind of compute and, and transaction processing infrastructure. And it's, it's not clear, you know, uh, that it's a winner takes all uh, space. And in fact, I think there will be um, a great deal of uh, very successful layer one public chains. Um, and we're, we're seeing the emergence of, of public chains that are optimized for things like DeFi or optimized for cross-border payments or optimized for use in digital securities applications. Uh, we're seeing blockchains that are, have a very specific regional focus. We ha we're seeing blockchains that are designed for embedded devices, blockchains that are you know, built for uh, use cases like NFTs and gaming. Uh, and so th there's a, an enormous amount of innovation there. And when we think about center uh, standard um, uh, stable coins like USDC, um, we think of it as a protocol. So, you know, if you think about, you know, HTTP, uh, the protocol of the web, like it's not like tied to Mac or tied to Windows. It's, it's just, it's, it's a cross platform. And, uh, and, and similarly, if you think about your digital content, your photos or, or your music, like, Everyone wants, you know, their 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 digital content to to work everywhere to be cross platform, and I think digital money is the same thing. Um, we want if you have digital dollars, they should work on every platform. And so we started our program in uh, the spring of of twenty twenty uh, for multi chain USDC, and you know we we certainly uh, focused on blockchains that uh, initially that had. Um, you know, scalability capabilities that had very strong use cases that were uh, demanding of, of and, and, and needing something like USDC. Uh, and as noted, we've, we've rolled out a number of those <clears throat> and we'll continue to see more rolled out. Uh, Center itself is partnering with a wide variety of players in the blockchain ecosystem. And that will just be a consistent theme. If, if you are a public chain, you want to have the standard for dollars. And so we'll continue to see that proliferate. With respect to Ethereum itself, um, I remain extremely bullish about Ethereum. Uh, I, uh, I, I believe it, it has an unparalleled uh, technical and developer community. Um, you know, the, the infrastructure that's built up around it um, is really tremendous. And, you know, I think we'll see over the next uh, couple of years, um, you know, probably a small number of layer twos that are utilized within, you know, specific categories, including DeFi and, and payments. Uh, and of course, you know, we're, we're working uh, to support those. And, um, you know, I'm excited about Ethereum too. <laughs> I mean, ultimately. So, uh, but we have to be patient. I think it's, um, it's like a major platform operating system upgrade that touches the whole internet and it touches billions and billions or probably at some point soon hundreds of billions of dollars of value you have to do that very carefully yeah i agree well speaking of being patient um you know we've been talking about you know the institutions are coming for a few years now and um, we're starting to actually see some institutional adoption growth happening you uh, recently launched an institutional trading program can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah absolutely so um you know uh, in, in many ways, the, the original, uh, uh, the, the sort of birth of USDC was sort of as a dollar market infrastructure for the digital asset trading markets. Mm -hmm. That was the, the sort of what I call the bootstrap use case. And so um, over the course of 2019, 
um, it, it got it got very well established as a trusted, reliable, and liquid and redeemable, you know, digital digital uh, fiat uh, digital currency. Um, in 2020, um, as the as essentially the crypto asset markets have blossomed, um, there's just been an incredible amount of interest in uh, you know in from institutional firms that want to get involved, and we wanted to create a program that's sort of tailored to those firms that would uh, you know give them best in class access to our infrastructure, to our APIs, to kind of automate everything that they would need to do with. Uh, with stable coins and you know effectively it's a, a way for these companies to get white glove support and service get you know extremely uh, attractive economics in terms of using the infrastructure and that's grown a lot so um, that program has been very successful has grown a lot and uh, we're we're scaling it out you know even more this year um, to uh, to support you know the continued growing role that USDC plays in the institutional adoption uh, adoption of crypto. Interesting. Um, so, looking also at the institutional space around stablecoins specifically, you know, we've seen some commercial banks develop their own tokens. Central banks are looking at CBDCs. Um, so, essentially, I mean, not necessarily a stablecoin, but um, you know, something similar. Uh, what's your engagement been um, with you know the governments and and corporates um, looking to develop their own tokens and and how do uh, stablecoins like USDC sit, you know, comfortably or or amongst the peer set if uh, you know CBDCs start to come to market? Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen anything at all on the CBDC front. I mean, other than some academics and researchers, so there's not really much going on there, um, at least in in you know relevant Western countries. Um, a lot of speeches, but uh, you know, uh, not a lot going on at this point. I think. Um, We've been really outspoken about, um, you know, how to build governance models for globally uh, adopted stablecoins. Um, that included extensive work that we did last year with the G20, the Financial Stability Board, uh, through their stablecoin working group that was co-chaired by senior officials from the U.S. government, Singapore government, and BIS, IMF, most major central banks and finance ministries in the G20. Um, and really worked on, you know, defining how should governments, uh, you know, set policy and supervise global stablecoin arrangements. And that's a specific concept that the, the FSB has adopted. And it really speaks to the idea that there are consortiums that are, that are effectively administering uh, stablecoin arrangements. Center Consortium is certainly the, the, the only one that's actually out there operating and starting to achieve global significance. Uh, there, are, there are proposed uh, dollar stablecoin arrangements like Diem uh, that are, have not yet launched, uh, but I think fit clearly into that regulatory classification. Um, and I think what they put forward um, is, a, is a model uh, for how governments are gonna look after this. And that um, led to uh, the White House uh, Presidential Working Group on stablecoin policy. They issued their recommendations at the end of last year, uh, very much in line with the way Center and USDC operates. And then obviously the extensive, very specific, um, you know, regulatory guidance from the US Treasury OCC that lays out how, you know, banks can get involved in this as reserve banks for the actual dollars that back uh, stablecoins in regulated contexts, 
uh, as actual active market participants holding USDC or similar on their balance sheet, being able to utilize public chains as a payment and settlement infrastructure on par with ACH or wire networks or card networks. And so we, you know, that high level G20 framework translated into a US specific view and then into very concrete guidance so that the, the mainstream financial sector can get involved. Yeah. So our view is that what we're gonna see over the next two to three years is rapid growth in these global stablecoin arrangements, not just in US dollar, but in um, you know, many markets, emerging markets and other major uh, developed markets um, you know, with, with private sector actors, banks, fintechs, crypto firms issuing stable coins in a consortium model um, on a set of common standards. And I think that's really the model that's going to take hold and achieve scale with billions of end users in the next few years. Well, we, we heard Lagarde this week, um, again, you know, moving into the, the, the regulation space, um, talk about the you know digital euro and how that is on the cards but will probably take five years yeah. um, and then in the same um in the same event and went on to say that you know we have to do more around um kyc and and, and aml um with bitcoin because there's been some funny business mm -hmm. um and so you know it's, it's a little bit from a deviation of what um you know her stance has been previously on digital currencies more broadly, right? You know, she's kind of been sitting on the fence. So I thought that was interesting from her. Um, and this comes after the US has also been experiencing a bit of kind of chalk and cheese um, regulatory policy discussions emerging. So um, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in the US. So kind of on the, on the less positive side, um, we had the Treasury consultation looking at non-custodial wallets, you know, KYC um, being applied to that. And on the more positive note, um, the OCC announcement that banks um, will be permitted to use public blockchain networks to, to settle across. What do you make of these almost kind of diametrically opposed, uh, you know, policy stances? Yeah, I, I actually don't think they're diametrically opposed at all. So um, I, I think, you know, the, the way I look at this is, um, uh, you know, stable coins on public blockchains are, and, and other cryptocurrencies as well, like, you, you know, individuals that want to transact with Bitcoin or commodity money, digital commodity money, or that want to transact with fiat-backed, you know, uh, digital currencies like USDC, um, all of those are becoming more mainstream. Uh, banks, fintechs, other regulated financial institutions, there's now very clear, clear rules of the road that they can get involved. They can be custodians, they can uh, access and utilize these networks. Uh, and I think that's tremendous and, and, and extremely positive. There's also been a lot of work, not just from the US, but uh, globally around, um, you know, essentially creating uh, anti-money laundering uh, rules that are very specifically applied to the digital currency ecosystem you know, this concept of a virtual asset service provider or VAS, which is set forth through the Financial Action Task Force, which is the body that oversees global anti-money laundering regulation. That's coming into a force, uh, enforcement this year. And the entire industry is, you know, getting, getting, you know, set up around that. And I think what it represents is that these are going to be mainstream, mainstream scale technologies. And there, there have to be, you know, uh, effectively, you know, models for, uh, you know, consistent any money laundering protection around them. So this is part of the 
growing up process uh, for this. Now, I think the, the specific item that you mentioned, which was this uh, um, uh, very, very short notice of public rulemaking, um, you know, had a lot of problems in it. Uh, I uh, would have been, you know, fiercely uh, uh, opposed to procedurally how that's going about and the substance. And, you know, I'm not alone. I mean, some other major, major players. And we successfully stopped it. Um, and that was announced yesterday that this is, uh, you know, going to be a, a much more extensive review period. And I, you know, my view is, you know, FinCEN, which is the agency within the US Treasury that's responsible for financial crimes uh, related regulation. Um, I think they're a good partner, good partner to the industry. I think that they want to work with the industry to, you know, come up with ways to think about addressing the risks that they care about. And um, it's, it's clear to me that the the approach that Secretary Mnuchin put forward was not it was a kind of sledgehammer approach. Um, isn't going to work. And I think we're going to have a, a, a regulator that wants to work with the industry and, and will ultimately address these issues in a way that preserves privacy, that uh, is supportive of innovation like DeFi and, um, uh, you know, but, but obviously is not uh, completely unchecked. Well, you know, Circle and, and you specifically, Jeremy, have been um, one of the leaders at the forefront from the beginning around actively engaging with our government and regulatory stakeholders. Um, and I know that you personally and, and Circle have, you know, led the charge on a number of different initiatives to better and, you know, really more intentionally engage with policymakers to, yep. to develop that regulatory um, climate so that it is intentioned and considered and balanced. Um, so, you know, personally, it's it's been a pleasure to work with you over the course of a number of initiatives um, on, you know, really trying to Absolutely. educate policymakers for sure. How, you just mentioned, so, you know, when people say, oh, you know, these, you know, industry initiatives, what good did they do? Well, here's one example of 11,600 and some responses yeah. um, that did cause pause. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, parting words from you, as an industry, how important is it that we show up and have those conversations and, and how best do we do that? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think it's incredibly important. And, um, you know, uh, sometimes I think some of the firms in the space, whether it be Circle or, or Coinbase or, or and, and many others, some great firms have shouldered a lot of the, uh, uh, the, you know, some of the heavy lifting. But I, I think this is a point in time where everyone in the industry needs to be uh, engaged. I think that, uh, you know, companies should become participants in key industry associations like the Blockchain Association or Digital Chamber and 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 uh, GDF and others. So I, I think um, that's critical. And you know, uh, people kind of need to put their money where their mouth is and 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 actually get out there and, and do more. I mean, the interesting thing is right now we're on the precipice of you know in in the proverbial. Uh, uh, technology adoption lifecycle uh, concept of crossing the chasm and um, we're, we're really close and what that's going to mean is that you know when it when it's something that touches billions of people uh, and it deals with money uh, and, and deals with investors um, like at the end of the day you know 
stopping bad actors and protecting consumers and, and, protecting, and protecting market integrity uh, and sort of underlying safety and soundness, those are important things. And the key here is if we, if we want this to touch every person in the world, which inevitably it will, we have to be focused on, um, I think, an enormous amount of education with policymakers. And then, you know, being open-minded about the fact that there are risks that have to be addressed. One of the things that I've said uh, recently is that the, that, that the industry needs to stop sort of, uh, you know, sort of saying, hey, we need policymakers to, you know, let up or, uh, or, you know, or legislate this in a particular way. We need the industry to build solutions. I mean, at the end of the day, this is on the industry. This is, if there's an issue with identity and financial crime risk, industry solve it, solve it. And actually the tools in front of us with crypto itself, zero knowledge proofs, public chain infrastructure, all of these open protocols, we can solve it in a way that is far, far superior to the legacy financial system. Couldn't agree with you. And so that's, to me, that's really the message to the industry is let's go solve this problem and solve it in a way which no policymaker ever would even even have imagined was possible uh, and, and really improve the system uh, in doing so. 100%. I completely agree. Jeremy, it's always a pleasure to chat to you. I'm glad to see you well. Thanks so much. For Thank you. Time. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.